When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Every one of us has heard the call. Brothers of true metal, proud and standing tall. Welcome back to the Metal Exchange. Justin and Chris here with you for another week. We go back to 1992. Uh, our second Manowar episode, and it's been quite a while since the first one. I think that was one of the first five or six episodes that we did. So uh, looking forward to that. But before we get to some Manowar, how are you, my friend? I'm good. Um, when the metal exchanges in town, speakers explode. So. <laughs> that they do. That they do. Um, we are recording this one a little bit early as we are going to see Powerwolf tomorrow night. But uh, before we talk about all things Man of War and Power Wolf and all that jazz. Any uh, Anything new this week that kind of caught your ear? Yeah, I think the first thing I definitely want to mention is the uh, something I posted in our Facebook group that um, Voyager has a new single that they submitted to um, Eurovision and they got chosen as uh, Australia's choice. I, this is, um, is this the second year in a row that they have been chosen? I think they were chosen last year as well, or the year I before think that's, that. I, something like that. I think that's right. Yeah. So um, it's a new track called Promise. It's um, just that synthy kind of uh, like I guess just to coin a phrase off their shirt, uh, epic electro progressive pop power metal uh, that we've come to uh, love and enjoy. But this is a really good tune as, as per usual. Um, so give it a listen if you haven't. Um, it, it kind of made me look at my collection of Voyager songs and it made me realize that they have not come out with a full-length album in a while. Um, a handful of singles the last few years, but um, they're definitely due for a full-length album. And uh, another thing that impresses me about that band is how they've stuck together since uh, Ash joined the band as their drummer um, literally like right before they came to the U.S. for the first time. Um They've had the same lineup of uh, guys and gal, and um, it's they really just seem like a real tight knit group, and um, couldn't be nicer people. I've had the pleasure of meeting all of them, and uh, I am psyched for all the success for them because they truly deserve it. And this uh, single is really, really good. So yeah, I'm hoping that this kind of could be the lead single for a new album or something like that, and that it kind of catapults them into the next. Uh the next stratosphere. I sometimes feel that it's harder with Australian bands just because they're so far away from Europe and obviously North America that like doing tours is a real major, major production. And for whatever reason, like, you know, they're not invited to the festivals like Wacken or Wacken or, um, you know, I don't think anybody from uh, Australia has played 70,000 tons. I know there's a lot of people that have been clamoring for Bellacore and, and other bands as well, but for whatever reason, it just never seems to materialize. I, I'm all for once Voyager blows up headline tour in the U S with uh vanishing point Lord and black majesty. So uh. <laughs> sign me up. I'll be, I'll, I'll get multiple shows. Uh, 
I'll get multiple shows on that tour. For Aussie, sure. Aussie mania running wild. That's... <laughs> yeah, I like it. I like it. Um, I have to be honest. I, the only album that I really thought this week that came out um, that really kind of was interesting was the All My Shadows album. And I think the reason for it is because I, I still don't understand why this album came out under this moniker and not under the Vanden Plus like banner, because I don't really hear that much of a difference between the last few Vanden Plus albums and this album. Is is it on a different label? Is that I think why? I think it's on Frontiers. But my understanding, if memory serves, was that the last Vanden Plus album was actually on Frontiers, which is a bit of a departure for the label. But you know, like I said, under the same umbrella, so they've been with them for a little while. It's what were your thoughts on this album? Did you have a chance to listen to it? Yeah, I, I liked it a lot. But I, I, if you had just labeled it Vanden Plus, I don't think I would have questioned it at all. Like yeah. I, I don't think I would have even noticed um it's just uh i mean the you know andy kunz's vocals are you know pretty uh unique so you hear that and you think of Plus immediately but the music itself is very kind of in that vein i'd say it's a little bit more more melodic metal than prog metal that that but i mean i think you said it that like that's kind of the direction that Plus had been going in anyway so um it's interesting. I, I just wonder if maybe there's um, a few uh, members that are not that there's in the band that are not from Vandenplas. Um, so maybe that's why. But um, it is very Vandenplas esque, as uh, as one might say. But uh, you know, speaking of Frontiers, um, I I grabbed that album from the band Cray or Crea. Uh, <laughs> I, I'm going to call it uh, Crea. Um, and, and you know, speaking of just like good old fashioned melodic rock, melodic, uh, metal. Um, they have a new album called weightless. Um, and it's really good. Um, I, I liked it a lot. Uh, I had only heard like one song from this band previously. And I think it was through you. I don't know if they were on your, one of your lists. Um, not last year, but maybe the year before the year before that. Uh, but that's kind of why they were on my radar. And, um, you know, after crown had such a really great, album this year like i feel like this is right in that kind of uh in that same vein um but also i don't know if it's quite as good as the crown album but it's still quite an enjoyable listen um just super catchy hooks galore um i like this one a lot um how about you did you get a chance to listen to this yeah it was it was good i i don't my my biggest issue is that i think frontiers sometimes puts out so many albums with a similar sound that for something to really resonate above the rest of the good stuff it has to be truly one of a kind or something different about it and i didn't find this one to be remarkable it was an enjoyable listen i liked it i will listen to it again for sure but i don't know that it's going to wind up on any year-end list or anything like that although i must say the vocalist is fantastic i thought he was a really good singer over good if not great music yeah good um i uh I'll continue to listen to it and we'll see if it makes the list. And the other, the other thing, this album just came out today and I've already listened to it. Uh, ja- the Japan's all female band love bites, uh, released their new album judgment day. Boy, this one was an earworm. I, I listened to it once and loved it immediately. Mm. Like it's already on my <laughs> best of list. Wow. That didn't um, take long. Yeah. Just one listens all it takes. I'm sure it will remain there. Um, I just, I, I think they've, 
gotten better and better with each release, and this one is no uh, no exception. And uh, they have their Japanese uh, Japanese uh, contemporaries Galnerius following up, I believe, next week or next month or. Next week is next month, so either <laughs> or. Um, but they have an album coming out soon too, so we'll have uh, we'll see which of the Japanese power metal bands uh, ranks higher come the end of this year. But um, this was really good. I, I I enjoy it's it's. I think I describe it to you as frenetic. It's kind of it's got a very frenetic. Um, it has kind of that old school like Keeper era Halloween kind of vibe to it, but with um, totally different. Uh, vocal style. It's it's just really fun. Uh, just really fun music. So um, I will make so a bad. Point I'd love to see live one of these days. I will make a point to check it out. Um, I know that you were looking forward to it, but I know that by the same token, um, it kind of just dropped on our laps today. So I'll I'll definitely give this a listen and I'll I'll report back. I'm, yeah, I'm I, I literally pre-ordered it yesterday, and then I woke up this morning and I had an email. It's from iTunes. I was like, your album is now released. I was like, oh. Well, that was quick. Uh, so I, I popped it on, and um, very it was very enjoyable. Um, nice. So yeah, this I, we've both talked about it privately, but um, this year is off to a really great start compared to where we were at this time last year. Uh, almost two months in, and there's a lot of really strong albums that have already been dropped. So yeah, I, I t- for my money, much better start than last year. Um, I, I I don't know that. I don't know. I'll say it this way. I don't know that anything that came out in the first two months is a lock for my album of the year or anything like that. I mean, there's a long way to go, but just the consistency of the releases I thought was a little bit higher quality overall than that of last year. Hey, at this well, same to point. be to be fair, your your album of the year was on your top, at the top of your list from the previous year. So. Right. Oh, I, I I'm I know, but I don't expect that to happen this time. <laughs> I, like, I, I think that something will come along that'll. Uh, that will grab me, and and quite frankly, it may be sleep token. I, my my album of the year may be your disappointment of the year, but we'll we'll get there and we'll get yeah, there. It's going to be like Evergrey. If it makes my list at all, we'll call it a uh, we'll call a it win. a win. <laughs> nice until I may until I force us to cover it in a few months, but we'll get there. We'll get there. Um, let's talk Manowar. Let's talk the Triumph of Steel. September twenty ninth, nineteen ninety two. So we were ten when this came out. Just uh, a little peek behind the cur- curtain there. A different lineup than their previous releases. Releases Eric Adams, uh, not the mayor of New York City, but the vocalist for for Manowar uh, on this one. He's the mayor of New York City in our hearts. That's right. That's right. Uh, The mayor of Auburn, New York. And then also Joey DeMaio, (laughs) of course, on bass. But uh, unlike prior albums, David Shankle on guitars for his one and only Manowar album appearance and Kenny Edwards, the Rhino, on drums. If I would have told you that this was a different lineup, would you have known it? I think I would have guessed. Just I feel like the... The 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 change from King uh, Kings of Metal I don't know if change is the right word but just the um, evolution from Kings of Metal to Triumph of Steel like it's definitely a different vibe but then again like the album that we covered at the at the in, in the infancy of the the podcast was uh, Fighting the World which came out prior to the year before Kings of Metal and that album was a little bit different too I think they were kind of going for a little bit more. Uh, radio friendly, MTV friendly kind of sound with blow your speakers and what have you. Kings of Metal, I would argue, was their finest album, their best start to finish. Um, 
had some of the greatest songs. It was just vintage Manowar. And then this one, Triumph of Steel, almost feels a little bit uh, experimental, especially with this, you know, 20 plus or 28 plus minute epic to, to kick things off. And then just some, some songs that just, um, the, the, the rest of the album just has no flow. Um, it's so, it's a very strange selection of songs, some of which are really, really good and some of which just aren't. Um, but, (laughs) but yeah, I think I, I think I would have guessed that there may have been some sort of personnel change. I mean, you know, Joey DeMaio has always been kind of the, the ringleader of this circus. Um, but it, it even appears that, um, David Shankle has songwriting credits on, on half the songs on this album. So, I mean, I would imagine that he has some influence on on this album, and he and then, like you said, this is the only one he appears on. So, um, what about you? Did you get like that kind of vibe that they were going in a different direction? I, I did. I don't know that I would have guessed that the musicians were half different, but I definitely can hear the evolution of the band because it had been a few years, obviously, since um, Kings of Metal had come out. I agree with you. That is my favorite Manowar album. There are a ton of classics. And when I think Manowar, I really do think of that album as kind of um, the quintessential Manowar sound, if you will. This one is such an interesting ride, no pun intended, just because, like, number one, there's a nostalgia factor, which I'm sure we'll get to in a second, but also... I feel like they were definitely experimenting here because this is so different than the prior album. Much better production, uh, but just the the what they tried to do with a lot of these tracks, I felt was completely different than stuff that they had done in the past. Now, don't get me wrong; you know it's Manowar. The second you, the second the band kicks in and Eric Adams is singing, you know this is Manowar. But it's just a different presentation than any of the albums that came before it and, and dare I say any of the albums that would follow it. I could not agree more. Uh, it also kind of, I think marks, um, I think it kind of marks the, the beginning of the, what I call the part-time Manowar era. Um, because from 1982 to 1988, the band released, I want to say six or seven albums. I mean, they were just machines churning out. And then after Kings of Metal, which came out in 88, it would be four years until this album, Triumph of Steel, will be released. It'd be another four after that uh, before we would see uh, Louder Than Hell. And then the albums would get further and further apart as as they went forward. I believe there's only two or three full-length albums that were released after Louder Than Hell. Um, so I don't know if there's any connection there, but um, I, I think I had mentioned to you off of uh, offline that um, this, to me, was kind of like it, it marked the the transition period for Manowar into kind of a more part-time, maybe not so much as a touring band, but just as far as, you know, making uh, studio music. Like, if you compare the first six years to the last, I don't know, like everything pretty much from Kings of Metal to now, they might have made more songs in those first six years than they did in the entire period of time. Oh, the 30 years or 34 years after it. There's no question. Um, It's interesting. And and I'll say this. First of all, you're right. I I think that this is when the band really did kind of transition into more of a, uh, I'm going to say like a side project, but like it was, it was not the full time thing that they were doing before that. But you have to remember (laughs) 
1992, I mean, this was after the grunge wave had come through and like just a after lot of fall. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it was, it was the, it was the, it was the battle. Uh, it was the battle of Hector and, and, and Hector falls, but like, it's just, it would, things were so different by 1992. So maybe that's part of it. Um, the one thing I'll, I've noticed before we even talk about the album or the nostalgia, I, I, I think this is an album that the band consciously or subconsciously tries to forget. Not because they don't love the songs, but like they never touch this stuff live, really. Like they're doing a tour now. I was looking at set lists earlier today. They are basically touching all of the old albums but they don't go anywhere near this one. And I found that to be kind of interesting because maybe it was the fact that Shankle was a one and done. Maybe it's the fact that Joey DeMille didn't write the entire album by himself. I, I don't know what it is, but for some reason they don't really play any of this stuff live. And I'm kind of curious as to why I, I don't really know if there's a story behind it. If there's a man of war fan out there that wants to tell us, I'd love to hear it because this is uh in many ways, a, a forgotten classic, and in other ways, I can understand why they don't go near it. Yeah, I mean, now that I'm kind of taking a look also at the set list, and I mean, there's just a there's just a lot of stuff from that early era that just doesn't get played. But I mean, the fact that they didn't play anything from this album might say something because they do play at least a song from "Louder Than Hell" and two songs from "Kings of Metal" and three songs from "Fighting the World" and. There's like a whole, I feel like there's like a whole, the whole early years of Man of War kind of get skipped over. They played two songs from Battle Hymns and one from Into Glory Ride, and that's it from the pre-Fighting the World era, which I think they released at least four four albums prior to that. Um, it's interesting, like they've just, I think they've just been around for so long that it's going to get to the point where you know there's going to be stuff missing. And like, it kind of reminds me of how the band always just you know doing whatever they please uh despite it not being uh you know what conventional wisdom might suggest released two double live albums a year apart in 97 and 98 and two totally different set lists yeah two and no i don't think there are any repeat songs which which i think if you were to buy those two sets it should pretty much cover just about every Manowar song up until that point, from like up to, uh, you know, uh, Louder Than Hell, um, that you would want to hear. Um, I remember buying both of those. Um, I don't even, I don't think I've listened to them since high school, in all honesty. But uh, it's, uh, yeah, it's interesting. I, I feel like they've definitely just that band, the kind of band that's been around for so long that you're you're going to nitpick the set list because there's just so many great songs that they're bound to skip a bunch that you would consider your favorites. And correct me if I'm wrong, but this was one of, if not the first like real metal band that you got into. Yeah, this was the second metal album I ever bought. Um, Handful of Rain was the first. And uh, man, I actually do remember going to the Tower Records on Old Country Road and my dad bought me this this CD. And um, I... I remember I when I so when I bought Handful of Rain it was I was basically at Handful of Rain and Gutter Ballet in, in my two hands and was like basically deciding do I want the album with Chance on it or do I want the album with Gutter Ballet on it and I went with I mean it was basically a coin flip I went with Handful of Rain I guess when I went to pick out another album I wanted a, another band and being that you know there's only so many 
metal bands in 1997 that you're going to find at Tower Records. I saw this album sitting there and I knew Metal Warriors from the the mixtape that Ralph had made me. And as a matter of fact, it was the very first song on the tape, which was like a pretty amazing intro to my metal fandom. Uh, And and I'll I'll talk more about that when we uh, speak of the song proper. But uh, for whatever reason, this was just the album that I chose. and, And so you know, I had basically been listening to just Handful of Rain and the mixtape Ralph made me, like, just repeatedly. Uh, I listened to Handful of Rain so many times I didn't listen to it for years because I was just so sick of it. And now I can finally go back and listen to it again. Um, I don't think I killed this album nearly as badly, but uh, I did play it a lot to the point where, like, I went back and all 28 minutes of Achilles' Agony and Ecstasy were very, very familiar and wow. very very much burned into my head. All right, but I want to ask this question. You go to Tower Records with your dad. You pick out this album, and he's now, I'm assuming, paying for it because you're 15 years old. You probably weren't working. Let me ask you this. No, I didn't have any disposable income until I was 22. So Some would argue you don't have any at 42, but that's not the point. (laughs) My question is, when he's paying for this and he's looking at the album cover – what the fuck is your dad thinking? Because oh, I'm just glad. I'm just glad that he didn't take it out of the liner notes and pull and pull out the full length <laughs> poster with the naked ladies writhing around. Um, that thankfully he just only saw the one sixth of the the math the artistic masterpiece that was this cover. I mean, I don't know. It, it, I, he might have questioned my sexuality from the cover of this album. <laughs> I mean, but, you have um, this like massive <laughs> man on the front, and, and normally we don't even talk about cover art, but I feel like this one deserves a deserves a, a little bit of a something. Uh, you got a you got this jacked up Ultimate Warrior looking guy on the front with the tassels on the arms and everything right with a gigantic hammer although he's not thor and a sword in the other hand and you with have a claw no- a sword with a claw on the bottom yes 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 <laughs> that's exactly or, right or I a mean- talon is it more of a talon than a claw now think about now think about the cover of handful of rain and you know there there, there might be reason to question does he like <laughs> girls like based on these two albums well, if you would have shown your dad the rest of Triumph of Steel, I think that he would have been he would have made a lot more sense at that. Maybe point. he would have been a man of yeah, Very well, might have been. Um, so this thing comes home. I, I remember getting it in and around the same time. If it wasn't if it wasn't the end of ninety seven, it was not long into nineteen ninety eight where I had this thing, um, and it was my first Man of War album. And ironically, like for a testosterone filled fifteen or sixteen year old, this was like. You know, I, this this hit all this hit all all the, all the marks. Although I I go back and I listen to it, and my God, it was a different experience this week. I haven't. <laughs> I think I mentioned it. I think I mentioned this to you um, when you picked it. I don't think I've heard this album in twenty years. It, it's just one of those albums that I did play to death, and then I'm like, I if if I want my Man of War fix, I go back to I go back I go back to Kings of Metal once in a while. But I I, I can't say that I played this in literally twenty years. That's kind of make, it makes me happy that I picked it then because it's more fun to kind of uh, just like re re like retread something you haven't heard in a while. Um, I mean, the one thing this album has on Kings of Metal is that it doesn't have uh, Pleasure Slave on it. So <laughs> it, it it doesn't it doesn't. But I'll say this: it's a we talk about meaty albums. This thing clocks in at almost seventy minutes and. Let's just get into it. The the album kicks off, and you alluded to this earlier, with an eight-part 
epic called Achilles Agony and Ecstasy in eight parts. It's over 28 and a half minutes long. I, I, I have some thoughts I want to share, but before I do, I want you to take the lead on this one. T- talk to me about Achilles Agony and Ecstasy and tell me your thoughts in terms of is it as good as you remember? Is it not as good as you remember? Is it better? Is it one of those things that like, I don't know, talk to me about this song and then I'll kind of get into my thoughts. Sure. Um, to me, this could have been incredibly self-indulgent and obnoxious and masturbatory and all the words we use to typically describe Ingve. Um, <laughs> and it's actually like incredibly, it, de- incredibly deep, really well done. Um, each part has a, a very um, unique and a, like a, a sound that stands out from the other parts. Um, the there's parts of both drum solos and bass solos that can actually you can envision it being some sort of battle. Um, This was really, really just, I thought this was so so cool. And this was beyond, at the time I first heard it, this was beyond anything I had ever heard. Because it wasn't like I was growing up listening to, uh, you know, 2112 or or anything that was this, like, this deep. And and just had this much depth in one song. Um, And I thought it was really interesting, um, this quote... I have to read this quote because to me it's, it's really cool. Um, so this was from a professor in classics from Bologna university in Italy. Um, and her name is Eleonora Cavallini. And she actually wrote about this song. Um, and said, Joey DeMaio's lyrics imply a careful and scrupulous reading of the Iliad. The songwriter has focused his attention essentially on the crucial fight between Hector and Achilles, has paraphrased some passages of the poem, adapting them to the melodic structure with a certain fluency and partly reinterpreting them, but never altering or upsetting Homer's storyline. This is clearly spoken by somebody else, not me. (laughs) The purpose of the lyrics and of the music as well is to evoke some characteristic Homer Homeric sceneries, the raging storm of the battle, the barbaric ferocious exultance of the winner, the grief and ang- anguish of the warrior who feels death impending over him. The whole action hinges upon Hector and Achilles who are represented as spectacular characters divided by irreducible hatred and yet destined to share a similar destiny. Both are caught in the moment of the greatest exaltation as they savagely rejoice for the blood of their killed enemies but also in the one of the extreme pain when the demon or daemon of war finally pounces on them furthermore differently than in their irreverent and iconoclastic movie troy in achilles agony and ecstasy in eight parts the divine is a constant and ineluctable presence determining human destinies with inscrutable and steely will and despite the generic reference to the gods the real master of human lives is Zeus, the only God to whom both Hector and Achilles address their prayers. So um, you mentioning that the guy on the cover looks like the ultimate warrior, that, that quote goes right out of an ultimate warrior interview. But, um, <laughs> but our, the command of English language is both better than me and Jim. Hallie. I know. And so. I, 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 it just, it really, I was really impressed that scholars at a university would study this 
song because it was so deeply rooted in this um in this whole uh you know Iliad book or whatever um yeah, I, I, I just I, I think it's just a really impressive piece of music and um you know I, I had I read somewhere else that um there was uh I guess some th- that somebody had um mused that Manowar maybe were going going to do like a concept album and it just didn't it didn't pan out and they just kind of kept this and then just wrote a bunch of other songs instead. So I'm not sure if any of that is true, but um, even so, like I, I just feel like this is just a really, really cool piece. And unlike anything we've ever really talked about on this podcast, you used um, a series of adjectives. I will paraphrase and, and name some of them because I don't know. Destrucity. I, I shockingly, not one of them. You said, I think, over-the-top, self-indulgent, masturbatory, uh, long, I mean, all of these things. And then I think you pivoted and said, but it's not any of those things. And I completely and wholeheartedly disagree. This is all of those things and more, but it's still awesome. I, you, this is over-the-top. It's self-indulgent, but not to the point of – but not to the point where it actually disrupts from the song. In other words, it is, I, I'll just give you a, a little flavor on this. The drum solo is, f- I think, five and a half minutes long. Literally five and a half minutes of drum solo. And I could be wrong about that, but it is very, very long. And then we have a bass solo later on, which is like a three or four minute bass solo. And oh, I'm sorry, a four and a half minute drum solo. But still, like, my point is long, long solos. But but what this song does is it meticulously lays out the battle or the uh, emotion that they're trying to evoke from each one of these separate sections. I'm not going to go through the whole thing. It's a very long song. If you've never heard it, do yourself a favor. But the way the whole thing starts off with this like anthemic, epic-sounding march into battle and the way it ends just frenetic and fast and the way that the solos are kind of interspersed in the middle, there is a there is a quiet genius to this. And, and when you think back that the last album they had done was Kings of Metal, which is a bunch of four- and five-minute songs for the most part, this is nothing like that. But I would say one thing. It doesn't fit at all all with the rest of the album and i often wonder should this have been like a standalone ep like they're a change of seasons uh, yeah it could have been but because to be album, fair like it's still been 40 minutes to be fair none of the songs on this album fit with the rest of the songs on the album That's like true. they all are like totally different types of songs i mean uh, it's it's really interesting. I'm 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 just the more and more we talk about it, the more I'm glad we kind of went with this because I feel like there's more meat on the bone conversation wise than any other Manowar album that I can think of. Um, well, I'll say that when when I was younger, I definitely did not appreciate this song, and I can't tell you how many times I would put the album on and start with Metal Warriors and then play the rest of the album. So I was very familiar with tracks two through eight but i did i was not as familiar with the opener because i don't know 16 17 year old me couldn't sit there for 30 minutes and listen to it so i i have a i have a distinct memory of um being in the car and 
um, dri- my parents, probably my dad driving to somewhere to look at a college might have been Boston or I, I would bring, I'd have my disc man and whatever number of discs I had at the time, probably, I don't know, 15 or 16, tw- maybe 20 discs at the time. Not, not that many in retrospect, but, uh, and I remember listening to this song and just being like, well, I got plenty of time to kill. What better song yeah. to listen to than the almost you- 30 minute, you know, I, I never would skip this song. I, I, I always thought it was such an, an integral part of the album and it's, I think it's, probably the most memorable oh in retrospect I, I probably shouldn't have skipped it i'm curious to see if you left long island and you hit play did you make it to boston before the song ended or was it was it <laughs> were you just outside of providence but nonetheless very very interesting i'm glad that i got to go back and listen to it a bunch of times this week and definitely different from anything they would do going forward and then they go right into Metal Warriors, which is the shortest song on the album. It's under four minutes and, quite frankly, would have been the opening track on virtually every other Man of War album that it was on just because it's like the perfect opening track. The, so going back to the, um, the, the, the original mixtape, the intro to this mixtape was just vintage Ralph. Um, it's, it starts out with the... Um, the what, what's what's known as the 2001 intro that came from a rush bootleg that ralph had and it, it's just uh you know 2001 a space odyssey if uh, if you know the rick flair's entrance music <laughs> i'm sure that was part of the reasoning that ralph used that as the intro so it's like this minute and a half of that and then goes right into metal warriors it's like you couldn't think of a more epic way to start uh, a mixtape and uh and I think that that was probably Ralph's mindset was if if I'm going to get this kid into metal, this is like the anthem of being a metal fan um, for good, for better or for worse. Uh, and I think it was a really good choice. And it was never my favorite song on that mixtape. But I also thought that like it really set the tone for not just what the tape was going to entail, but like what the next. 30 years of my life was going to turn into. Yeah. I mean, yeah. it's kind of crazy, but, um, and I, and it's a song I've always liked. It's corny as hell, but so is 87% of Manowar's catalog. Being um, um, yeah. Uh, it's, so, it's like a, per- I mean, it's a perfect intro song. It's short, it's sweet. It's to the point. It's not terribly fast. It's actually kind of more like mid paced of anything else. And, I mean, it really is just like a metal anthem in many ways, but they do one particular thing on this track that really is, is awesome. Forget the, the, the classic Man of War riffage and forget about the fact that the lyrics are just, you know, plain atrocious. The, <laughs> I love how they go, they have that first, um, how do I explain? It? I guess we'll say like that, uh, that first verse, right? And like, it's, 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 they, they, they go into this, the chorus. It's a chorus that they would repeat throughout the entire song. But before they finish that first chorus, they start the second verse. And I always thought that that was a cool touch where it just like, it was a, it was a, it was an overlap between the chorus and the verse, which is something I had never heard up until that point. And it still sticks out every time I listen to this song. That's a really cool thing to notice. And like, I don't know that, like, I realized that it happened, but never really thought about it, but you're completely 
Right. And that is very cool. I also think it should be noted that about halfway through the song, you hear Eric Adams do his vintage, like screamy vocals that are just unbelievable. Nobody has ever to me sounded like this guy. I think he's one of the, the, the absolute gems of metal vocals. I also, I probably should have mentioned too on the first track it you know there are a lot of instrumental parts like we mentioned but also like the parts that eric adams has to do there's you know soft quiet singing that he does and then there's just bombastic screamy type stuff like he's he's such a a talented guy and he's always just been kind of i feel like pigeonholed as this like kind of man of war meathead type guy um but I mean, he's such a talented vocalist, and and even in this song, that's such a kind of paint by numbers kind of metal anthem, goofy lyrics. Like when he just starts that 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 just beastly, uh, like high pitched vocals. It's just nobody does it quite like him. And just it's interesting how like half the first half of the song is just him singing normal, and then the second half he's just like screaming. Just, yeah, just kicks it into a whole other other gear. So uh, yeah, it's a cool song. I, I I it's probably not even in my top maybe 10 or 15 or even 20 Manowar songs, but it, it's it's one of the most um, important songs to me as a metal fan, just as far as uh, what it means to the beginning of my fandom. I'm, I'm totally with you there. Uh, it goes into this song called Ride the Dragon, which is another one that I'd never really paid as much attention to. It was kind of just on when I would play the album, but a couple of things about this particular track. Number one, how they get their instruments to actually sound like a dragon screeching is kind of phenomenal. It's like really well done. They start with it. They end with it. I think there's a section in the middle where it happens too. It's just a really cool sound effect that they're able to do. And I have no idea how to do it. And I guess the Game of Thrones fan in me really thinks that this should have been part of the show because it fits so perfectly. Um, it's it's fast, it's heavy, and honestly, it's more enjoyable than I remembered. I remember when we listened to Fighting the World, a lot of it didn't click with me. It was just a little too cheesy. This is cheesy too, but like for some reason, this this song and, and this album clicks a little bit more. Um, the drums and the guitar, I think, are the two biggest standouts though. And I and I just think of how awesome it would be to see something like this song live. I this song I think particularly shines a light on the fact that this is easily Manowar's best produced album up to this point. No doubt. It's arguably their first really good mix because they were definitely guilty of the 1980s, like just garbage mix for most of their eighties albums. I would argue almost all of them other than Kings of metal and Kings of metal is not great either. Um, this is a marks and, and it could just be a sign of the time and, and, you know, um, technology improving into the nineties. But, um, this song never really registered with me as a kid. And I think it's because it followed a 28 minute epic battle song followed by like a song that I knew really well from listening to the mixtape. Oh, but in recent years, it's actually become one of my, favorite songs from this album and really? i'm actually going to make it my song of the week um nice i i don't know why this song just never resonated with me for years but then i just remember one day as an adult i went back and listened to it and i was like 
holy shit, this song is awesome. <laughs> like, re- just a really good song. Like, it, it's it's a little less ridiculous, although not by much, than the previous track. Um, and uh, it, it's it's the first song co-written by David Shankel on the album. I just think it's a really cool song that um, I just kind of got lost in the shuffle over the years. But now that I, you know, I've gone back and I think re-listening to the album this week kind of cemented my, my feelings about it. Um, I don't know if I would call it the best song on the album, but it's the one that I think I am most uh, excited to hear nowadays. So um, we'll give it a listen and then uh, we'll uh, continue on. Very, very uh, interesting choice for a song of the week. I did not think you were going to pick that. I kind of had you pegged for something else. Um, it also, but- you know, it also has that like kind of signature Manowar guitar chug where it's just kind of like it's you'll hear it again probably in the next song. Like it's just very typical of their sound, but, um, I don't know, man, this, this is, I, I just, it's so fun to me when a song that I've been aware of for, you know, 25 years, like kind of comes on later in life. And you're just like, Oh wow, that was a, that was a much better song than I initially had thought. So, um, yeah, good. That's a, that's a, that was a cool song. Um, your thoughts on spirit horse of the Cherokee of, this was a song I loved as a kid. And for some reason, I always found myself really enjoying this one, even though it's not a song that I think most people talk about. Having gone back to it, I don't know that I love it as much as I used to, but it is remarkable in another sense because this album, much like it, do- or this song, much like the album does in other spots in Achilles and, and Ride the Dragon, it really sets the mood well. And it makes you feel like you are like in the middle of the Great Plains on a horse with a spear in your hand, getting ready to like, you know, find dinner or something like that. It's really, <laughs> really nuts. And it's, I, I like how the chorus is this big, bright sounding chorus, almost uplifting in a way. Um, very cool concept. Just not as great as I remember it, but I had. But again, to be honest, going into it, I thought it was going to be my song of the week. That's how much esteem I used to hold this song in. It's just a touch less, I, I think, at this point. Um, and and by the way, I should I'd be remiss not to mention that when Eric Adams does his like Cherokee esque vocals, absolutely phenomenal, hits it out of the park. Just a, a, a true 
uh, gem of a vocal performance. That, that part where he screams out Geronimo's name is one of the coolest things I've ever heard. <laughs> um, the the way the slow kind of drum that is just very like just like a very Native American kind of sound. Um, this is like a really good example of of a mano a mid tempo mano or song that really hits. Um, I, I, I always, just like you was always a big fan of this song. It turns out I like ride the dragon a little bit more now that I'm uh, an adult, but, um, I still think this is a really cool song. And I think that it's so interesting as we go through this album that we've gone from the Iliad to an eighties metal concert to Game of Thrones, and now we're on the the Great Plains, as you say. <laughs> I mean, th- this album, at least thematically, has been all over the place thus far, and, and it's kind of interesting. Like, th- it doesn't really flow well, but then at the same time, it's like I can't really imagine it any differently. Um, it's just it just feels like a lot of um, just a lot of different ideas just kind of thrown all together. And like, that's fine. Like not everything needs to be streets or rock opera, uh, which this clearly is not. Um, <laughs> but it, it, I think it gets the job done just being like very, very random, I guess. Well, it, it, it does. And, and it, we are all over the map, but then we get to like burning and, and I listen to this track and I think that of all the tracks on the album, this for this to me is like the biggest clunker of them all. I am not a fan of this song. I think the riffs are a decent, you know, at the start, but the spoken word sections are boring to me. Um, it's just kind of repetitive and boring. Although it, I feel like it's supposed to pick up, but it just never does for some reason. Um, and one might argue the Demon's Whip might be the worst. Tra- I for for me, this is the worst track on the album. And I'll tell you this. The one thing that is interesting that I never heard before, I actually hear Time of the Oath in different parts of this song. And like, I never noticed it's that definitely, before. It's definitely the same tempo. Like, yeah. without a doubt. Do you like this song better than I do? Or is this a. No, I do not. I think this is the worst song on the album. Also, it's one of my least favorite Man of War songs. This is what I was talking about earlier when I said self indulgent. This is a self indulgent Man of War song because. It just, like you said, it never gets off the ground. It's boring. It's long. It's not that long, but it feels long. It feels long, yeah. Um, it's just not a good song, and I agree. Like this, Between this and Demon's Whip are probably my two least favorite on the album. But this is, no, this is my, those are my two least favorite. This is my least favorite. Um, I, I agree. I think they could have really gotten away with just leaving this off because it, it kills the momentum dead. On a 69-minute like, yeah, album, they didn't need this. Yeah, um... I'd argue that that they yeah they would have been it's just it's just boring it's just this mid tempo the way that Spirit Horse of the Cherokee was a mid tempo song that that was an interesting song it had interesting lyrical content it sounded cool this is just oh my god this is just like blathering nonsense um, but but, so. but well placed in the middle of the album because it finishes with at least two if not for my money two out of three very very good songs so i'm, I'm with you um but then you get the power of thy sword which is again as a 15 or a 16 year old so freaking cool and the way that he's like you hear like the sword unsheath and he's like, it sounds like he's, it sounds like he's sharpening the sword. It's really, really freaking cool. And if you listen to this song on headphones, 
the first sword comes out of the left. Yep. The left channel. The other sword comes out of the right channel. It sounds really freaking cool if you're listening on headphones. I'm with you. And to me, for like my money, this is like the this song is kind of a throwback with better production to some of the older albums, and I love it. And I think it's like some of the catchiest verses on the entire album. A very good chorus. And then everything kind of quiets down, which I don't know that it was necessary, but you know what? It's Man of War, so you know what you're going to get. And then it picks back up again, um, you know, and it ends really strong. I, I, I like this track a lot. Another candidate for for uh, Song of the Week, but I'm, I'm not going to choose it. Uh, yeah, this is um, – I think this is probably the best song on the album, um, just pound for pound. It's just um, – Everything about it, it just is constantly interesting. I think I, I would argue that the part where it slows down actually just builds the end of it up even stronger. Um, I think it's it's just um, <laughs> such a cool song. I know Rhapsody did a, a cover of it that I thought was really cool, but um, I don't know, man. The, the, when, the, when I first got this album, this was the song that completely grabbed my attention right away or you know already knowing metal warriors i think it was the net the second or actually it was the first man or song i would use on a mixtape it might have been the very next or the very first mixtape i made i just thought that this song was so cool and unlike anything i'd ever heard of before um just a really really cool song um as opposed to say the demon's whip which is track yeah, seven the demon's whip is is um I think you know. I listened to it and I liked it better than I. It's better than I it. remember it. It's just but it's not it, good, but it's better it's, than I remember. Yeah, it. It's too long and it's stupid. Yeah, it's it starts off really really slow, and you kind of wonder where that is quiet, slow. Where where is it going? It's going straight to the astral plane where it belongs. <laughs> um, that's what I actually have in my notes. Just cut the track. You just don't need it. Um, again, kind of cool sound effects. Um, the highlight is that wonky sounding guitar solo, which I have to say, I love the solo. I think it's really, really good, but it doesn't really make up for the rest of the song, which is just, it's okay. It's like better than I remember, better than I remember, but just not necessary. Well, unlike burning, at least this song does get going. It just takes yes. like six, it takes like six minutes to get that. to happen. And then all like, it's just this slow, 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 marchy kind of kind of boring kind of song and then it just explodes like six and a half minutes into the song it's just like it just double bass drums galore like it's just it 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 just explodes uh i don't think it's enough to save the song it it made me kind of chuckle actually um we had a kind of an inside joke uh about this song to um somebody that wasn't a close friend of ours, but uh, we used to say that his girlfriend would, would keep him uh, close with the demon's whip. <laughs> uh, shout out to, to Vinny and his, uh, and his uh, meatball subs in his back pocket. Mike Cray knows what I'm talking about. Um, it, but uh, another song that I think, I don't know that I would have removed it from the album, but I would have edited it down to maybe like half the length. Um, but I don't know. It's Man of War. They always have to have some sort of weird, wacky kind of song that just doesn't seem to make any sense to anybody, but perhaps the person writing it. Um, but uh, but then they they finish strong. Uh, let's they just... finish strong with again another track that has nothing to do thematically or um, 
really have anything to do with anything with the rest of the album, but it's Master of the Wind. And I'll tell you something, cheesy as they may be, this band knows how to write some good ballads. And this might be the best of the bunch, um, you know, kind of thinking back. I love this song. Uh, have a lot of thoughts, which I'll share, but let's give it a listen because it will be my song of the week. Man of War has, you know, ended other albums with songs like Black Wind Fire and Steel, which is this like really fast, thrashy song. And here they go the exact opposite approach with a ballad. And I love how it's this slow, epic build. I think the beautiful, the, the vocal lines are beautiful and the orchestration fits the song perfectly. Um, nothing, nothing is as bad as it seems. And I just think that's such a beautiful line. Shout out to others. Um, but like th this, this, there's something about this song and the way it ends is just so, so good. And it like puts a smile on my face to end the album. And, and the reason I made it my song of the week, honestly, is because after the first listen, it has been stuck in my head all week and I can't stop singing. It's like to myself. Yeah. It's a really, really awesome song. Um, it's, the the way that it builds and builds and the use of the the drums and everything like it's just it 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 it's it's just beautiful it's just a really great song i i pulled up the um that first mixtape that i made after following ralph's mixtape and uh power of thy sword and master of the wind are on wow. this mixtape i mean you could tell how few albums i owned based on this because they're like about five of them <laughs> making up the entire mixtape. And then a handful, of, I think I had a handful of um, Ralph might've left his like CD book at my house or whatever. So that, that's why you see conception on here, which is an album I didn't own until I was in college. Um, but uh, yeah, this was um, I, I, like I talk about how I was always gravitating towards power ballads when I was younger. Um, the last four songs on this mixtape were three of them were power ballads. Wow. <laughs> it was master of the wind, take away my pain by dream theater and believe by sabotage. So um, basically wanting to cry at the end of this. Yeah. Movie. I think I was, I think I was something of a sap when I was a teenager. <laughs> uh, either way, I'm very happy that you picked this album. Uh, it was definitely um, a trip down memory lane, to say the least, and it brought back a lot of nostalgia. And it held up better than Fighting the World, I'll be honest. Like, it definitely held up better than Fighting the World. If you want our thoughts on that, 
go way, way deep into the archives for uh, some of our initial thoughts on that album. On a scale of one to ten, what are you giving this? Oh man, this is one I feel like one I of the hard- this. Yeah, one of the harder ones to uh, to rank. Um, I, I think I, I would probably give it an eight. Um, I think that the the strong songs, which are really pretty much the whole album to me, other than Burning and Demon's Whip, the rest of the album is excellent. Like really, really top of the line. Uh, just really good really good man of war style metal um i love the 30 minute epic metal warriors is a is an anthemic classic for me and and has nostalgic value uh like i said ride the dragon was just a a late in life surprise spirit horse the cherokee is is just a really good song and and power thy sword and master of the wind as proven by being placed on the mixtape many years ago um it's just uh, it's dragged down by a couple of dud songs, unfortunately. But um, otherwise, it's a it's a it's a very good album, um, and uh, I still think that uh, Kings of Metal is their best. But this might be their second best, uh, as far as I'm concerned. In terms of completeness, you might be right. It's a seven point five for me. I thought it was a really good listen. It was higher than I thought I was going to give it. Um, and it certainly has that nostalgia factor as well. But top to bottom, it's one of their better, if not their maybe their second or third best disc. So good choice, good choice. Um, I want to talk about next week's request. But before we get there, uh, at least in some detail, uh, some tour news. Because there's uh, a number of tours that were announced this week that were interesting. Uh, Guns N' Roses going back and doing another world tour starting in Tel Aviv, Israel on June 5th. They get over to uh, North America in August, and they're basically doing a run of shows through October. So they will be hitting a lot of big markets, obviously stadiums and you know baseball fields and all sorts of things. They're they're playing in uh, what is it? I uh, like MetLife Stadium in August, where I was fortunate enough to see them a bunch of years ago. I don't I don't think I'll be going to this tour, but good for them. I I, I always enjoy listening to Guns N' Roses, and honestly, a band that we must cover in the in the not so distant future because i feel like we could do a lot worse than doing that 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 is a band that i think might be worth doing a career retrospective on considering that they have about four listenable albums so (laughs) you're gonna make me listen to chinese democracy i mean i think the one time i listened to it i didn't think it was that bad but um I, i i'm not super familiar with uh the uh, lies spaghetti and, incident. Yeah, which I think Spaghetti Incident was kind of a compilation, right? Yeah. Like it wasn't really like a full blown album. But I don't really know lies that well either. Um, but I just feel like maybe that we just suck it up and talk about the entire. You know, there's a nice twenty twenty year break in between <laughs> albums. So, maybe we do know. it in two parts. Maybe we do like the classic years and then the other stuff or the something trash. like that. Yeah, yeah something like that. <laughs> um, another tour that was announced: Moonspell coming back for uh, another North American run. This one kicks off in Brooklyn. Ironically, in about two months, April 29th, they're kicking off their tour, uh, going doing a run of shows for about a month. What's interesting is they're bringing some bands with them that I wouldn't have guessed, and namely Elaine, who I just saw on 70,000 Tons of Metal. So that was kind of cool. I I think they're really gaining some traction, and deservedly so. 
And then depending on what side of the country you're on, either Oceans of Slumber or uh, in the West Coast, a band called Vintersea, which is actually really interesting stuff. I, I kind of wish they were playing the New York show just because I've seen Oceans of Slumber a bunch, but um, interesting tour to say the least. And then finally, some uh, album news, if you will. Uh, one of the bands that we covered in the archives, Merciful Fate, is in the studio and has three songs, quote, worked out for their next album. So it'll be interesting to see what that sounds like after decades of not doing anything together. You know, obviously they did the tour, but they haven't released any new music in, in quite some time. Did you mention the Emperor tour when we spoke last week? Or Yes, I think I did mention that last week. Um I'll mention it again. Uh, Emperor doing a handful of North American dates. I secured my tickets for the New York show. I will not be missing them for for sure. They are a really really good live act. Cool. Yeah, I just I couldn't remember even though we recorded the episode two days ago. <laughs> <laughs> all all good. Um, and then next week it's it's the first Monday of the month, which is Request Monday. But we're gonna we're gonna tease it a little bit. Uh, I'll say this: it is a power metal album. It is a classic album. It is by request. Uh, we'll see if you can figure it out. We'll put something on our Facebook uh, social media stuff to see if people can kind of guess what album it is. But obviously, it's something we haven't done before. But I have a feeling that a lot of people will be interested in hearing us uh, cover. Maybe we could do a, uh, a clue-style reveal where someone would be like, uh, did it come out in the 90s? Maybe. I like it. I Was like it a band it. you guys covered already? Maybe. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, we could do a, a little do kind of a... Yeah, then maybe by the time, you know, the weekend rolls around, uh, somebody will uh, crack the code. But um, action star, I, I, I will so- say, oh. <laughs> yeah, we're gonna do Arwin's. Uh, <laughs> um, no, uh, I, I, I will say, I, I'm. I think I can speak for both of us that we're both looking forward to talking about it. Yes, it's uh, definitely going to be a fun one. So, yeah. um, and we'll also uh, give our thoughts on the Power Wolf show as well. Yep, I was just about to say, uh, going to sign off uh, early on this one. We have uh, some a lot to do between now and Power Wolf. So enjoy, uh, enjoy the ride down. I look forward to catching up with you in a, for a couple of days, and then we'll uh, come back with uh, an album that we're going to do next week uh, by request. So enjoy the week, bud. I will talk to you uh, in just a little bit. Yep, sounds good, buddy. Take care. <laughs>